0: As we um, get into uh, the time and the word today, I want to I get you guys up to speed if you've not been here. I think I didn't do a good job of this last week, so I want to do a good job of this today on purpose, you know, try to be intentional here. We're doing a series called In Real Life, or IRL for short, and we've been collecting questions from um, you guys over the last several months. I think, since like November time frame or so. And then there's been a team of people here at Family Bible that's been working through these questions and praying over them and kind of looking at what the Scriptures have to say about these issues and concerns. And so today's week three in IRL. Like I said, we are going to skip over Easter. We're going to participate in Easter. We're going to wait, hold IRL until after Easter. We're going to finish the series after the Easter series um, the com- coming up. And... Uh, By format, I want to talk to you a little bit about what's different about this series. So, usually you might come to church and you hear the pastor speak. You're going to hear that this morning. I'm going to share some scripture with you that God has led us to. But what's different about IRL is after we are done with that, we're going to start a conversation as a community. We've been having a panel discussion up here, so we're going to have three people come up and talk about their own experiences in this. And I mention that to you because if there's a question, and last week we had a question, if there's a question that God stirs in your heart, at the end we're going to have the opportunity to ask that question and we'll try try to answer it um, in a God-honoring way together. But the whole point is not to end up with all the right answers here, but to start the conversations that really matter in our lives, in real life, like the real questions that we really have to wrestle with all the time. Uh, the the idea of following Jesus—if you read the Bible—it was never a kind of head issue. It was never about having the right knowledge. It was about a right living in Christ. It's about this obedience to Jesus. And and um, if you read scripture, you'll see that over and over again. He was a very uh, real and present leader and he called people to follow him in very real ways. And so that's our hope for this series. That's the format. Alright, so, um, and in uh, week two we had some uh, good conversations, maybe harder even than week one, um, but some good conversations came out of that and I was and I, I just put a plug in here again for family groups our family group was able to plumb some depths that that were just revelatory for me i mean that and i'm not saying this about me but i mean i like i'm so blessed when i can get together with brothers and sisters and learn something new about about what the word says and so for me that was really powerful um and uh so i'd encourage you to get involved in a bible study or a family group as we discuss these things um keep this conversation going this morning, I want to start with prayer. We always pray. Uh, we need, we've been praying all morning here at Family Bible. We need God to intervene and to uh, help us understand his word. So pray with me, if you will. Father, this morning, we've come here to sing your praises and glory, to join indeed all angels in creation in singing your praise, because you are worthy. You're worthy of every breath and our lungs, every thought and our minds, every desire and our heart. You're worthy of it all. And so, Father, we, we admit that we have failed to offer it all to you and so now we ask father that we we would um set aside this time to listen to you and we ask you to do what only you can do which is to speak into our hearts and to change our minds and to redirect our lives in a way that's glorifying to you we need your holy spirit for this work we cannot do this alone and therefore we depend on you to answer the prayer of your people give us wisdom give us direction and indeed give us leadership in our lives And may we we glorify you as as we um, obey the things you've commanded us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this third week, if you grabbed an engagement sheet, you should see it on the back side of your sheets there. The questions are written out there for you. I'm going to read through them, as is our habit, and then we will discuss them from Scripture and have a panel conversation about them. So here's the first question that was submitted, how can I read and apply the whole Bible to my life? And actually that question was a two-parter. That second part of that question was the same, from the same question. Why do some parts of the Bible give amazing insight about God and my relationship to Him, but many other parts seem irrelevant for my life today? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And then the third question, which we'll probably come back to in another week in the series as well, is this, how do I listen to God Or how do I quiet myself enough for God to speak rather than just me talking to him? Um, Family, uh, the IRL team has begun to realize that some of these questions apply to multiple categories, if you will. And that third question is one that seems to apply here as we ask the question about how we engage the living word of God. So with those questions out there, we're going to run through the scriptural framework a bit. And then we're going to have the conversation together. I'm going to invite you to turn to 2 Timothy 3.16. By the way, if you didn't know, we talked about Genesis 3.16 last week. You know, John 3.16. Here's here's 2 Timothy 3.16. There's a pattern developing, which is interesting. 2 Timothy 3.16 and this is a bit of a riff off of the, of the first and second weeks as well. Um, one of the, I want to read this and talk about it for a minute because this is one of those remarkable texts that tells us so much about who we are and who God is and what, what he has for us all. This is what the word says. This is Paul writing to Timothy, and he says this, All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Verse 17, So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And you might know that Timothy and Titus are what's known as pastoral epistles, but I've said this to you before, and I mean it with all my heart, it's not just written to pastors. That's not what these books are for. They're for all God's people. And that's the first actual point um, that I wanted to make with you this morning, is that um, all of God's Word is for all of God's people, right? Right? And I say that because I know a few weeks, last week I think it was, right, we talked about um, women in ministry. And one of the laments I have for the way I see us approach women's ministry or women in ministry is that we kind of regulate. If if you say something about women in ministry, you end up talking about what? Anybody? Anybody? Proverbs 31. Like, I'm talking about ministry to women. Like, that's what everyone runs to, and that's awesome. Isn't it Proverbs 31? Isn't that where it says, yes, the value of, of a faithful woman and all that? And, but you know what? The whole counsel of God's word is for all God's people. And we ought not to regulate ourselves to certain corners of the text and, and not study and examine and apply everything that we find there and that's what we've been trying to do through this series is looking at the whole counsel of God's word and so that's the first thing I want us to realize is that all of God's word is for all of God's people and that's true for everyone by the way that means if you're not a biblical scholar the Bible still applies to you right I mean the word one of my favorite um Uh, Promises says, ask the Lord for wisdom and he will grant it. You can, that's why we pray before we get into the word of God. That he would give us wisdom and insight and he would teach us through his word. And so it's for all of God's people. Now I want to talk a little bit more specifically about this passage of text. Here we learn that um, there are uh, two truths about the Bible and then four purposes for which uh, it was given to us. And I want you to see that clearly here written from Paul to Timothy uh, First thing, all scripture is God-breathed, right? Theonumos is breathed into by God. And that's the first thing we have to recognize if we come to the word of God is, is It's God-breathed or God, the word is inspired. You know what inspired means? It means to be breathed into, right? Inspired, In, inspiration, respiration, and so the word of God. Now, hear me this morning is inspired by God. It's breathed into by God Himself. Theos, pneumo, pneumos, or somebody like that pneumatos, right? Um, so we know that the the, that the 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 word of God, and this is all the same language here, is inspired by God. That's the first truth I want you to understand. Breathed into by not inspired like like oh that's a good idea but like breathed into by the Lord, which is interesting too because a lot of there's different ways to read this text. The second I want you to realize is this, that the word of God, all scripture is God-breathed and all scripture is profitable. It says here useful, but the biblical idea is profitable, right? It will bring value into your life. And so the first is God-breathed and the second that it's profitable in our lives. Now then, Paul lines out four purposes for for scripture and I'm gonna run through them now. He says, it's useful for one, teaching Two, rebuking. Three, correcting. And four, training in righteousness. There's the purposes of God's word in our lives. And so in real life, if, if we want to do those things, if we want to um, become better followers of Jesus or disciples of Jesus, we need to understand that these are the four purposes or uh, the four profitabilities of Scripture, okay? It's profitable in these ways. And, and the first is this teaching this teaching is this idea of instructions for life. I, I've heard both sides of this argument from people before. I've heard people say, well, the Bible um, is the, the the manual for life. You want to know how to do life? Read the Bible. I've heard that said before. And then I've heard other people say, well, not every situation is covered in the Bible. So where it's not covered, we can kind of figure that out on our own. It, those are different perspectives, aren't they? But what what's being been Communicated here to Timothy and then to us is that the word of God is our instruction for life. It ought to shape how we live our life. It ought to bear fruit or manifest some realities in our life because we've come to read it and know it. And this isn't the only place that that is said. So, so we know this, and for teaching and uh, instruction for life, I just like that it's a little more robust than just teaching. Not, not just about, I'm going to say this again, head knowledge, but about how we actually live. It ought to transform our thinking and therefore our life. All right. And the second is, I'm going to see what it says here, uh, rebuking. This is a funny thing. By the way, our men's ministries did a study of these uh, books, and it was really, really powerful. I can't say that enough. Um, what an awesome study that was. And uh, the second is this idea of um, rebuking, but actually a better way maybe to say it is conviction right? Conviction or uh, internal persuasion. It's a little different. Rebuking to me sounds like I rebuke you. You're doing it wrong, right? And And I get where that's coming from in the translation, but this idea of conviction is a power, a profitability that the Word of God has in our life. That means that there's going to be times that you're going to open the Bible and read it and you're not going to like what you hear because it's going to convict you. It convicts me in my life. And, but what we have to recognize, this is the profitability from God through the word. That we'd have conviction about what life is about, about how we're called to live. And... and um, I don't know if you've had that experience in your life where you've been reading the word. I've shared with you before that a lot of times it's like it gets you on the backswing. You know, it's a double-edged sword. It's a sharp, it's a sharp word, and, and, it, and it'll, it'll inflict um, damage on you, but not damage in a harmful, but in a helpful way, like a surgeon's scalpel. It'll remind us of the dark places of our heart. It'll show us the ways that we continue to sin. It'll bring conviction Upon us. The word of God, when understood rightly, does this work, and it does it not just when we read it, but whenever it's preached or taught, the word of God brings conviction. I know that's how it is in uh in many settings for me. My brother or sister will share a word or they will they will expound on a point from scripture, and the Lord will just convict me of where I need to change. But that is a good gift from the Lord. It's a profitability of scripture. So the first is teaching. The second is conviction. You should not be, we should not be afraid of that in our lives. Please don't be afraid of conviction from scripture. And then the third, it says, is correcting. And this is this idea of straightening out. I love the Greek here um, because the core Greek word is ortho in this, right? I'm gonna, I'll, it's a epineurothesis, something like that. (laughs) But the core Greek word is ortho, which we all know from like what, orthodontist, orthodontist work, right? So it's this idea that the word of God, one of its functions, its profitabilities, is that it would correct us or that it would straighten each of us out. That idea, the same way that we take that wire, we make those teeth line up straight, it's the same idea. It orders our life. It makes us righteous. As a matter of fact, it causes us to stand upright. Maybe for the first time in our lives, we get this call to stand upright, to walk upright. That's what the idea of correction means in the way it was intended to be. I shared with you a few weeks ago that in some ways sin is taking something that is good and bending it away from God's purposes. Well, if that's the case, then scripture is taking that same bentness and straightening it back for God's glory. That's the work, the profitability of the scriptures for us. Correction in our lives, a straightening out a, a uh, making each piece fit in line with the others for the glory of God and for the good of his people. And uh, the fourth purpose or profitability of Scripture is training in righteousness. And then, by the way, this is another one. Is if you're a Star Wars geek, this, um, this Greek has Padawan in it, you know, um, young learners. And that's exactly what it means. It means training of children in righteousness. Training of children in righteousness. You'll remember that Timothy himself learned of uh, his faith from his grandmother and his mother. That's what the word says. He was trained in righteousness. That's a purpose of scripture in our lives. But the good news is it's not just for children who are small, but for us too. We are all God's children. And so therefore, this is for a training in righteousness for us in our lives. Another way you can say that is it's a beginning to understand God's justice system what it looks like to be just in the eyes of the Lord. Which is why we get into then all of these uh, intricacies of of the requirements for blood sacrifice and the, the necessity of a Savior to die for us. But there's this justice demand that is laid out in Scripture that we can see through it. Okay, so there's some idea of, God, of, of God's own intent in Scripture. Um, Timoth, Paul writes as a Timothy and it's... And it's, it's Something to be mindful of as we get into it. Now, it, all those things can be said, and it's like, awesome, great. But here's the thing, and James does the best job of this. We are called to be doers of the word, right? So not just hearers only, but doers of the word is what we're, we're called to do the word. Um, this is in um, the book of James. And I'm going to turn there. You, I think I got it on the screens here. Yeah, I'm going to turn there real quick. James 1, 22. there's more than this, by the way, but I'm just gonna talk about this one passage. James says this, he's the half-brother of Jesus, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says, right? Don't be deceived by hearing the word only. And that could be the danger of never opening a Bible on your own, of never studying the Word, of never praying that God would show you truth through Scripture, is that you would just have heard the Word, gone away unchanged, and believed that that's what God's intent was for your life. That's not what the Scriptures say. No, don't be deceived, but instead do what the Word says says. as I study this a little bit, I love this idea of being a doer because sometimes you feel like being a doer is like being a robot. You know, like, I must follow the commands, you know. Like, there's no, in, there's no interpretation. There's no artistry. There's no flexibility in it. There's no, you know, it's like feels constrained. I must march in. You know, like talk, getting in line, get in line, you know, right. I love this idea of being a doer of the word because it means to be a poet. A poet of God's word. Or, for those of you who are maybe a little more um, nerdy, a maker, you ever seen those MakerBot things, right? That they just like make stuff out of whole cloth, you know? Um, th- th- the difference is it's not out of whole cloth, it's the Word of God, but you manifest it in the world. That's our call as followers of Jesus, to be doers of the Word. The third, if poet doesn't connect for you and if a maker bot doesn't connect for you, to be a builder or a constructor. Where do the boards go? Where's the roof? Where's the floors? Where are the windows? Where are the doors? How does this really work in life? because that's what the scriptures say. Be a doer, be a builder of God's word. That somehow, because we've encountered God, we've not gone away unchanged, that our lives that we construct will be different, that the lives of others will be different because we have encountered the word of God ourselves. All of a sudden, it's got more flavor than a robot. You know what I'm saying? Like it requires a real, living, breathing response. I was praying about this whole idea that God continues to give us uh, our choice to ch- what we want to do with it. He'll reveal truth to us, but he allows us to choose if we do nothing or something with it. The scriptures are replete with those stories. So we encounter the word of God. What do we do with it? We should be doers of the word. We should be makers or builders. All right. All right. So then, a little bit, that's a little bit of a, kind of the sum structure. Now we're going to talk about some practical ways that we can do this in our lives. Like, really, how do you do it, you know? Because it's not like, okay, I have to sit and read my Bible every day or I have to do this certain thing. I have to go to church, listen to the pastor preach on Sundays. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about how we're to integrate the Word of God into our lives. Um, if you brought a Bible with you, gr- grab it and look toward the front. If you didn't, grab one of ours. We're going to look at Deuteronomy. It's one of the first five books of the Bible. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 11. All right. Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21. And I love this because it gives us a real, a real look. This is, look how early it is in the scriptures about how we can integrate the word of God into our lives. This is what the word says in Verse 18. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and in your minds. I want you to see that the two places you should fix the word of God is in your heart and in your mind in our lives. We should do that, okay? Tie them as symbols upon your hands and bind them upon your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you stand up. Write them on the door frames of your household houses and also on your gates. I'll read the rest of 21. So that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your forefathers as many as days that the heavens are above the earth. A, a long life. A long life. In Christ I, but I love when we go through your words I fix these things in our hearts and our minds but then I love the practical stuff here right write them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads you know that there's these these things and I always think why what in the world like I've been reading some Old Testament stuff anyways on a different thing I'm doing and there's this stuff about marking your earlobes and marking your thumb and marking your toe have you read that stuff in the Bible like you know it's in there I'm like, what's going on? Why would you bind it in your forehead and bind it in your hand? But you know, it's like binding it to the things or your heart, your desires, the things that you want. If we let the word of God reign over our hearts, it would control the things we desire in this life. Binding them on our heads, that they'll be how we think. Our minds, our imagination. Binding them on our, our hands. And actually it's really funny. And this is not scripture per se. But I, I wear these things here because it reminds me to pray. I don't know if you have stuff like that. Like it's not just the, it's like a practical purpose. Kind of like the toilet paper I talked about earlier. It's a practical thing to do a practical work. To remind me to pray for certain things that, that God's got on my heart. In my life. Do you do that? You don't have to say anything by the way. You know, you tie a thread around your wrist. I don't know how you bind on your forehead. I've seen like the headband, you know, for dodgeball headband or something. Um, I don't know. Maybe inside the bill, you know, the the hat, the liner of your hat, you could put a word of God. Where? How can you integrate it into your life, man? I love, love, love what it says here. Right? Uh, teach them to your children. I don't want to skip that, by the way. That by instructing others, we learn. That's one of the principles of family Bible church to become teachers who learn and learners who teach. Right. That's one of the goals we have as a church. You will learn by teaching others. It says, teach them to your children. Look, all the times, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you stand up. That's all the time. You know, isn't it interesting to think about Scripture in a different context? Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting to think about what the psalmists say? Or is it interesting to think about, you know, like the, the, the lilies of the field or, or whatever the situation is you're in. Can you see it in your life? All right. Maybe that's a little too out there. Check this out. 20. Write them on the door frames of your houses. I'm always reminded there's a church here in town that um, on, as you leave the building, it says you're entering your mission field. You know, have you seen that in churches before? Yeah. Um, or uh, I don't know if you're a Walking Dead fan or not, but they had that, um, uh, what is it? Uh, faith without action is dead or something last week. In the thing. Over the door, by the way. If you don't live it out. I thought, you know, isn't it funny that we put that on the door of a church? But what about the door of our house? Like, what if, a, what if when we left our house, we literally wrote over the door, you're entering the mission field. Or um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. How would you look at your life differently if you did that kind of a thing? I, re- I read a book um, a while ago, about a guy who lived a life as a, uh, uh, as a, um, obeying the Bible, the Jewish Bible, for one year. Have you heard about that? And he went out and he lived like in an apartment, I think, in New York, and so it's a very small living, but he wrote, he wrote all the commands of the law over his door frame and his apartment. He said it was a meaningful exercise to do that, to see the law written over his doorframe. I don't know, how can you do it for your life? Like, what are some ways you can write it over your doorposts or have it in places? We've talked about this before. Integrating the scriptures into your life that you become familiar with the Lord through them. I also love it says, on your gates, right? Like, I don't know if you can have gates at your place. But again, by the way, when people coming and going, do they see that your house is a house of the Lord? They know the places you dwell are affected by the word of God. An opportunity to integrate the word of God into our life. Um, I want to share with you uh, Psalm one nineteen eleven. By the way, Psalm 119 is one of the longest psalms. It says, uh, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Talk about training up children in righteousness. Um, this was said, this is a, um, the alphabet. Uh, it's written in the alphabet of, of um, Hebrew alphabet. But it's also like the ABCs of spirituality, and one of the things—it's the very beginning. He says, "I've hidden your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you." That by memorizing Scripture, by getting to know what the Bible says, and I'm talking about like quoting chapter and verse—you can do that. That's awesome. But I mean, really knowing what the intent of the word is and resting with God—that it'll manifest in our lives in, bless, in blessed and blessed ways. Like we will know our Lord and not sin against Him. I've stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What that means is that if we engage in the word of God in our lives, the whole word of God, it'll correct us. It'll convict us. And indeed, it'll ca- cause us to refrain from sin. Another way you can say it is it'll change our actions and our reactions. All right. Uh, two more two more passages, and then we're going to have our, our discussion. Um, The the first thing I want to say is this. Don't twist hard passages. One of the questions is, well, some parts of the Bible don't seem relevant to me at all. Um, I would love to talk about what those are, really. I really would love to talk about what specifically you think. Well, that's not relevant anymore. I was even reading through, I've had some friends of mine who sat down and they said, well, you know, the Old Testament law doesn't apply anymore. And, you know, Jesus said himself, I came to fulfill the law. We've heard that before, right? But I'm reading through those Old Testament laws and there's nothing harmful in them. We can't achieve them perfectly. We understand that. But if you read the Old Testament laws, there's nothing harmful in those laws. I even read a strange one as I was preparing. It said, wear no blended fabrics. And and I thought, you know, people who are, you know, saying you can't be legalistic, look, you're wearing a blended fabric, you know. But would it harm us to not wear blended fabrics? I don't think it would. And there might be some blessing that we don't even know because we don't wear blended fabrics. Um, there's some in there that are, that are difficult, for sure. Um, and, uh, but we, we ought not to twist those passages to mean something they're not. All right, so I want to turn to 2 Peter uh, 3 for this. So 2 Peter 3. Just a minute. Okay. Um, again, this is another uh, 3.16 verse here. Um, 3.15 and 16. Peter says this to the church. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Man, that's huge right there. That our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave to him. Now, this is what Peter says about Paul's writings, and we talked about Paul's writings a lot last week and the first week as well. Um, He writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. So I want you to see that right now, that That Peter, the Apostle Peter, who walked with Jesus, would say of some of Paul's writings, that stuff is hard to understand, and that's Peter saying it, right? So if you feel sometimes like, I don't get that, you're in good company. But look at what Peter says next. Which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other Scripture to their own destruction. There's a couple things happening I wanted to show you here. The first is that Peter's affirming that the things that Paul's writing is also Scripture. Do you see that? Just like they contort other scripture, and you know um, Paul had written a lot about twisting of the law and twisting of of um uh, god's commands and and all those things, but here he says that, but then. Ignorant and unstable people distort or twist the word of God. And that's something we should be guarded against, that we would not twist hard passages. I want to share real practically two ways I think we would twist Scripture. And you would say, man, I don't twist Scripture. Why would I twist Scripture, right? I think the way I see this done most in my own life and the lives of others is that we will twist Scripture to aim at other people. We'll find that passage, we'll find that thing that says that thing that we think someone else needs to be convicted. Have you ever been in church before and you hear the pastor preaching and you say, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this because they need it, right? We want to take and we'll twist that scripture to aim it as if we're the Holy Spirit, as if we're God, and we'll we'll say, oh, this is for that person. And we'll want to aim the Word of God at people. Listen, if anyone is engaging the Word of God, there is conviction enough to go around. The Word of God is clear on what it calls us to be and to do. It's so one way we can twist Scripture is to aim at people. The second way we can twist Scripture is to get us out of a jam, right? That's what the other way we twist Scripture. This is not comfortable. Let me find a way. Oh, you know what? Those are Old Testament laws. They don't really apply to us anymore, so that's no big deal. That was for a certain period for a certain time. Oh, that teaching was just for that period of time. It's not for now. And we try to twist what the Word of God says to where it doesn't have to apply to us anymore because then we're off the hook. I think those are both abuses of Scripture. By the way, um, I I know the language seems harsh there. Ignorant and unstable people, but ignorant, listen to me now, ignorant means non-methetes, non-disciples twist the Word of God. Disciples don't. Learners don't twist the Word of God, but those who are not willing to learn twist the Word of God. That's what it says. And then unstable means unrooted, unrooted you know, fixed will twist the word of God, washing along. It's a danger for all of us, myself included, and we ought not to twist the hard passage of Scripture for any any purpose. All right, last point, and this is um, awesome, but the whole Bible is about Jesus, and I'm gonna share with you two places from the Gospels. Uh, The first is from the Gospel of Luke, the very end, chapter 24. You can turn there if you want. Chapter 24, verses 25 through 27. This is after Jesus has died on the cross, been buried and been raised to new life. And there's these two guys who are really bummed out about it. They're walking away, right? And they, and they meet this visitor on the, on the road. They walk with him for a while. And this is what happens in verse 25. He said to them, by the way, he is Jesus here. He said to them, how foolish are you and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Like, was this not the call of the Messiah? Now, they don't know this is the Messiah yet talking to them, the raised one. And then it says this in verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What that means is in that moment, Jesus went back to the books of Moses, which is the Pentateuch, right? The beginning. And he began to explain to them everywhere the Messiah was pointed to in Scripture. And it was all about him. you remember at the end of this encounter, they realized who it is and they said that our hearts not burn within us What when he talked to us about the Scriptures. See, the problem with twisting Scripture and stuff is that Jesus didn't do that and that he referred the Scriptures as authoritative in his own life. And so, If if we say we're all about Jesus and following Jesus, we have to have that same conviction that he had that the scriptures are profitable and good for us and inspired by God. Um, All right. And then the the second passage is from the book of John. John 5, verses 39 and 40. Jesus in the middle of rebuking uh, the... uh, The teachers said this, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. That by studying scriptures you're going to have life. He says, no, these are the scriptures that testify about me and here's a danger and yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus says that the entire Bible is talking about him. Remember those were the people who were saying, He isn't who he said he is. They're trying to catch him in a lie. They're trying to catch him, you know, deceiving them. And he says, listen, you think because you read the Bible, you know the truth, but if you deny me, you deny the truth because the scriptures are all about me. The scriptures are all about Jesus. There's a a couple of dangerous things I've heard um, about reading the Bible this way. It is about uh, looking back and putting Christ um, out of order in, in the scriptures. And yet, if you read the scriptures properly, you can see the foreshadowing of Jesus coming. So therefore, the whole counsel of God's word is really pointing to Jesus himself. So there, there's, some, there's some things, and I could say much more about that idea of what Jesus believed, but I wanna stop there and uh, we're to have a conversation now about what this means and how we actually do it in our lives. So I'm gonna ask, um, if you're on the uh, IRL panel today, would you come forward? All right, yeah, oh, it's probably not on yet. There you, there you go. it. try it out.
1: Hello there. Hey, look, there <laughs> we go.
0: All right, so uh, starting with the, um, we'll start from this side and go, okay. And he's gonna, Can you see, Carrie? I feel like, okay, good. All right, this is Carrie Adolph. She's been on the panel before, I think, week one. Yeah, right on. Um, and uh, serves in many ways the town of battle Bible Church. Most of you know her. Yeah. Um, Steve Hampsh. uh um, leadership team member, uh, father, uh, husband, and uh, disciple maker, uh, great great servant, and Dale Compton also on the leadership team, and uh, great servant and leader and father and husband, and others qualifications as well. Um, so what we want to do now is kind of have a conversation a little bit about how we actually do this. So I'm going to try to ask these questions, and uh, these guys don't have them ahead of time, and so we're going to have an honest conversation about what that looks like. Um, so what has been the most profound season of Bible reading? or Bible study in your life? Can you think of a season that was really powerful?
2: Okay, I'll go first. Um, I think you have already hit this, but um, you stated earlier um, when you were reading Deuteronomy how we were to be teaching our children as we go. And so for me, I feel like the times and the seasons where God's called me... Uh, to lead others, um, whether it is my children or it's youth ministry or it's Bible study or whatever it is, I feel like those times when you're really digging in to take responsibility for leading others, um, I think has been some of the most fruitful times of, of study. Okay. You know, just preparing to lead others.
0: Right on. Okay. Anyone else?
3: Mine too would be like uh, through parenting mm-hmm. uh, and small groups as far as men, men getting together. Uh, that was always times of. I always thought it was always a good time to get together with men and study the Word. Uh, not nothing in particular, but just as a part of sure. a, a men's group, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, how have you integrated the Bible into your lives? I talked a little bit about practical ways, but how have you sought to do that in your life?
1: Alright, I'll start with that. A um, little bit of a tangent, but not too far away this is how we learn about life, as he was just saying, but this is also how we learn about God. And we're gonna live eternity with, with God. And when I first believed, I I read a very simple um, a, a Bible, the, the message, it was real easy to read. And then as I grew, I went to a deeper, and then I went a little bit deeper. But the most important thing, if I could say anything about how to study, is that we make time to do that every day. I believe that with all my heart, that is the most important thing that we could possibly do. Now I know it's difficult, the, the baby keeps you up at night, you're doing midterms, um, you, you work eight hours, you drive two hours, and you get home or get up in the morning, and it's, it's very, very difficult, but that, that's exactly what we need to do with life. And I was reminded when it's so, so neat that we roll with the punches That when we lose the jack here and we lose the music. how awesome, it didn't sound for a few minutes. But we roll with that. If I don't have a quiet time and a date, ask my wife how the day goes. You know what I mean? And so um, the Word of God is so powerful and we need to, to do that. Okay.
0: Anyone else? How you integrate the Word in your life?
3: I, I think it's, it's a particular set in a, a step time. Like mm-hmm. Steve said, we have to set a certain time. You know, for me it's basically when I'm driving, you know, doing a lot of praying and quiet time there, you know, and uh, reflecting on what I've read earlier or listened to a, a passage of uh, someone, a
0: speaker, something like that. Okay. Yeah, and you do a lot of while you're driving. You're, yeah. Yes. Yeah, because that's, that's what you do for a living. I mean, so right. Steve talks about commute for two hours, but you drive for a living. Mm-hmm. So there's a way to integrate the drive. word while you're driving. Right on.
2: Um, I definitely think it's important that we do have our personal study that we're able to fill up as we pour out. Um, so every day we're able to, to pour that out. So I think integrating you know, the Bible in our life a lot for our household is, is how we do teach our children and how we discipline them. And we always let them know, you know as we're doing things that we're not just doing them because mom and dad think they're right, but because we're under the authority of God too. And, um, and and that's where our motivation comes from, that's where our teaching comes from and when we're correcting them, we're correcting them knowing the bigger picture that, you know, of our sin natures and where we're at and what God's calling them to even as children and what God's calling our family to and so we um, in everything that we do, whether we're encouraging them or we're correcting them the things that are coming out of their mouth, we remind them like, okay, God's word says, speak only what is useful for building others up and we impart the word as we go all the time throughout the day as we're teaching and training our children,
0: too. Yeah, another great thing on that, by the way, out of of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I say all the time for myself, like, I'll hear words, and I'm like, wow, that just came out of my heart. That's terrifying. But praise the Lord that we see it, and we can repent of that. But there's a reality that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks.
1: Make a statement here before we read the next question. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, The question was, how to study? Wow, that can—it's not a textbook, you know. There's history, there's the Psalms, there's a love story, um, there's the parables, and sometimes that gets difficult. I find if I'm a new believer, I start with something familiar. Don't try to start back there in Genesis and read all the way through, or maybe that's good for you, I don't know. But a lot of times when I read, I start reading the Scriptures, and I don't necessarily do a chapter a day to keep the devil away. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'll read until something pops out at me, it's maybe one verse, it may be several chapters, and sometimes I just chew on that for several days. So there's not a magic way of doing it, it's when the Holy Spirit begins to to say, and I don't want to take too much time here, but nice. I usually look for what do I learn about God, what I learn about man, what I learn about sin, and what I learn about righteousness that God gives me. And sometimes I'll underline it, or I'll mark my book up, it's a book, I'll mark it up, and and sometimes in the precepts, I think you use colored pencils and you mark a different, uh, mark it up differently so that you learn. And what is the command that I learned for the day? Or what is the promise that I learned for the day? Linda writes a journal. I do not. I scratch up my Bible. But, but there's many different ways to do it that is correct.
3: I do the same thing, too. I'll, I'll take and highlight a lot of spots in Scripture and some that, that I might hear someone, uh, a preacher preach and, and say, and I'll... Highlight it, leave a little note, and it's a lot of times you might forget about that. But when you're thumbing through it back, going back through and studying it again, you will see where you where you had highlighted it, and um, that brings back to memory of what what you you studied before and uh, the meanings of words or whatever, whatever. If it touches me, I'll I'll highlight it. And and two, I was wanted to mention too, uh, you know, the Bible talks about this being a sword. That's right. So, so it actually is a weapon that right. we can use um, and you know I know we did this study on the armor of God which uh, you know everything you look at on that armor is a protection but the word is actually something you use for battle right. you know and, it, and it's got meaning it's got you, could, you can read it or when you speak it it becomes that's why it's a two edged sword you read it it's one and when you speak it something else it becomes a weapon when you speak it to go against the demonic forces or whatever. you're Right. Going so, what?
0: So, to understand a little bit of what you're saying, then, so, so, say there's a struggle I'm having in my life, and it's a particular area. Then, how do I, how do I um, use the Word of God in, a, in a way to enter that spiritual battle over that issue?
3: Well, Jesus gives an example when Jesus was being uh, tempted in the, in the, you know, in the, in the wilderness. What did he do? It is written. It is written. The devil will twist it, make you it think it's. Meaning this, but, but that's where that's why you talk about have the word in your heart, so that you know that when when Satan wants to twist something in your life, you can battle him with the with the word. You can you know, have it in your heart where you can understand it and, and send it back at him. You know that's what Jesus did.
2: I know. I know you said earlier yes, what was our most um, fruitful time in, in studying the Bible ourselves, and the other one that just came to mind as he was talking is those times of difficulty like we're really we're struggling with something or like what does god's word say about this or they just said that is god's word really say that and i think that those are times that um you know it isn't it is a history book it's a science book it's but it's god's word it tells one big story all the way but there's also a lot of tools that are out there so just as you might you know be studying at school and looking up a dictionary you know there's tools to help you study god's word you know so don't hesitate looking up commentaries and and, um, and uh, respectable writers you know that that can help to provide more insight into that. And I just want to throw this out there for everybody because it's crazy, but a new tool that's out there that's very, very simple if you're very, very simple in your thoughts or even if you're not, but it just says it very um, easily, it's a children's tool um, for understanding the full Bible and it has brought things to life for our family that we just never knew was out there. It's a What's in the Bible series and um, it's the same creators of VeggieTales, but it's one of those that like if you and your family wanted to really take a, a journey and go, what's in here, and how is it written, and how many books, and how many, like, they just do the most fantastic job that I've ever seen at making it tangible, so you can understand the whole story and the whole big picture, so there's another side tool that I highly recommend for everybody. By the way, a
0: great way to do that, if you're, if you're, I'm not reading children's book, lead and blast or something, you will learn by teaching them blast.
2: you are like, DVDs, oh. you can watch them.
0: I think I said that well, and there was a there's, a, there's a Bible app on the phones, and there's a children's version, and I was watching the thing on the Holy Spirit, and I was just like, wow, that's so good. I learned so much from these teenagers. It's so good. Um, so yeah, find ways to integrate that. So let me ask this question then. Um, so what do you do, now one of the questions that was asked today is um, how some of the Bible doesn't seem to apply to me, it doesn't fit, or whatever. So what do you do when you come to a tough passage?
1: Sometimes the scripture talks in parables, and it is not as easy. Sometimes, uh, I was reading, uh, Keith shared his journal with me, and it says it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than what a rich man inherit the kingdom kingdom of God. I don't understand that. Sometimes I'm going to go over to the zoo and get an eye of a needle and just look at it. But sometimes the Bible has a hyperbole, which means an extreme so that we understand it, the significance of it. And sometimes it's a a simile, like like in Proverbs. A fool does this, and a wise man does this. So in a difficult, sometimes I don't understand. Last week after this sermon, uh, someone brought up about uh, women covering their head and men letting their hair grow. and So I didn't understand that so much. But I went home, and I kind of read about it, read some commentaries, and it finally made sense. If I don't understand it, I don't necessarily dwell over it. I move on, but I, I do my best to try to figure out what it really means to, to me and to the church.
0: By the way, and I know you're going to jump in here, but I want to say that both of you mentioned commentaries, and that is awesome, and I think it's awesome to wrestle, but then it's also awesome to listen to other people's voices. One th- warning I always have against that is don't run too quickly to what someone else thought. I mean, be willing to sit on it for a minute. Be willing to pray about it. Be willing to tell God, I don't know what that means, or talk to your group. But then we get into commentaries, and even if you have discovered stuff, it'll just affirm or correct what you've discovered. So,
3: uh, well, one thing I was mentioned too that we should always start our we should start in prayer, uh, because that gives us uh, let the Holy Spirit will guide us and give us the correction there too. Just to always start with prayer, and we do that a lot here. Every you, you notice we do that when we when the bill starts, we start in prayer.
2: Steve starts talking about like he said, you know, Proverbs is. Um, It has a lot of, it's poetry, and I love being able to, I love the word of God, I love being able to get into it, and you go, oh, these are like the historical books, and then you have this next chunk, this next chunk is the um, the writings, and then you get to the prophets, and when you understand like how it's compromised, or not compromised, comprised, thank you, how it's, I'm not the best with words, uh, how it's comprised, um, it really starts to make sense. Like, when you get back into the Pentateuch and the Torah, or the Torah, you know, the first five books of the Bible, and you, start, you start looking through them and they have all these Levitical laws, you're like, well, what is that? You know, are talking about head coverings and all of that. Well, when you really get into it, you realize that there's two different types of laws that were given there. You know, one type was, like, your ethical laws, and those ethical laws have still stayed forth today. Those are laws of how we're to love God and love people. And then you have an entirely different type of law that was put there, and I'm, there's a name for it, and at the moment it's, like, your traditional law kind of thing. Um, but I can't Pointed in my head right now but the point of that law was to set apart the israelites as a holy people god for the first time was was coming in and and claiming a people group and so those laws were put into place for that people to set them apart as holy amongst the entire land so those laws have been fulfilled those things have been kind of passed away in the sense of that because they were for that people but the the ethical laws the things that have always been about who god is and, and how we relate to one another those god those laws have withstand time um, which I love. And so I just love as you get into it and you really understand how what it is and how it is and who it is. Like dig into those things um, because they just help to open it up to you so it's not quite as confusing. Right. Um, but then the other point I want to make when you do this is I um, have a lot of um, lost family members, I guess, um, word that comes to mind. And they always like to come to me and argue That's those points. Well, if he is who he is, then how did this happen? And who is this? And who married so and so? And where did they come from? And it goes on and on and on. I'm sure we've all had these conversations about it. But the point is, when it all comes back to it, you have to be able to answer that first question Is Jesus who he says right. he is? That's right. And you have to answer that foundational question because that's pr- that, that is the, the, the core and the crux for everything else. Because you said the whole Bible is about Jesus, that's so the crux yeah. of everything else and why it exists. And, 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 and if it's truth and if there's faith, like, you have to start there. So I'd encourage you, if you're having those difficult conversations, don't avoid them. They're good to have. But don't get caught up in all these who did Cain marry questions, or, you know, when he right. was sent out, when it's not the crux and the, the, the cornerstone of, of what the Bible's about.
3: Yeah. And also there's talking about, uh, you know, the Bible being history. I, I've got into in the last few years of, of uh, actually... Studying uh, the Jewish culture and what they what they do, and it really when you start looking at what they do, you know, Bill was talking about writing the writing on the doorpost of your wall. Where the, the Jewish people, what they do is they got a it's a mezuzah, and they actually nail it to the to their wall, and it's the scriptures written in a in a tube on their wall, and they go in and out so they're passing through the word. Mm-hmm. There's meaning behind all all this, you know, that these guys do this, and then if you study with the intent of what's the picture that God does, you know, the, the feast. We're going into Passover. Mm-hmm. That's a picture of something. So God's always going to point to a picture of something. And if you study their, their culture, their history, then a lot of times that just pops the word of life to
0: you. Better right. Make- and I think sometimes those hard passages, if you're willing to wrestle with it, you'll get great blessing because you'll be like, oh, I understand. And even you talk about the purity of the people, that's the unmixed linens, you know, kind of thing. I mean, that, that kind of setting apart. Well, last question I have for you then. Um, and you're welcome to say anything else you want to say, by the way, up here. And I want to, I should have said this as a preface. We're not experts. We're just fellow learners. Like, we are not experts. I don't, we don't pick who's up here because they're the smartest people. They're the most, you know, holy people and like that. They're, we're just following Jesus with you, honest to God. That's our heart. And um, we are learning with you. And so that's, that's why we're doing this, to start the conversation that will continue in your life, I hope, this week. Um, so what is the danger in not knowing what the Bible says?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll start right right there. I recently read that a lot of Muslim people have memorized the Quran. There's no way I can do better with them if I don't understand what the scriptures say. I wish the Bible told me who to vote for. I've been watching all the debates, but it doesn't. But it tells me what to look for. Uh, uh, the truth, when the truth is being spoken, or a character is being, so it's it's very, very important that we know how to dissect in our culture what is, what is good and what is not good, when we need to turn off the TV and when we need to, to turn on something else. So uh, very important. Okay.
3: Well, I'll just, it says in Hosea 4, uh, 4 it's 4-6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So some of the things that we might not understand or do could actually be destroying us for not knowing actually what's in this word
0: so it would cost
3: us something to not yeah, know. cost you something yeah the, the whole verse is my uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge i also reject you from being priest for me because you have forgotten the law of your god i also will forget your children so it's about it's strict there's some we should know it
1: just a footnote to that in proverbs it says the beginning of wisdom the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Right. But somebody rebuked me a long, long time ago when I first became a believer and thought I had all the answers. He, he quoted a verse said, Knowledge puffs up,
2: love, <laughs> love builds, builds up. up.
1: Yeah. And that's been a reminder often for me. So, yes, we need to know a lot, but we need to use it correctly.
0: Right. Anything else you want to add? Uh, it was, um, what's the danger in knowing not knowing what the Bible says? Or, uh, the second part I had was only knowing part of what the Bible says. Like, What are the dangers with that?
2: I like that part. Because, I do, there's, um, you know, I think, you know, we might have mentioned it even in the first week, that it's, it's really easy, um, and the question today was about... Um, it being applicable to our lives you know like some parts are and some parts are not and you know know a lot of people that go you know i believe that jesus is who he is Mm -hmm. so i will go and in my bible here that i have i don't think mine does yet does has red letters and so i'll read the red letters because i know i can trust those because jesus said that but the rest of the stuff i'm not so sure about and it's just like it kills me having those conversations because if we we can't it's like saying that jesus is savior and not lord you know we can't we can't just take and leave what we want like he wants all of us all of our hearts all of our minds all of our souls all of our spirits and we have to trust him we have to trust him and know him fully so it's not just let me know the grace of God without knowing God's wrath because i think if we start to cut and chop his character and his word then we're missing
1: the value
0: of it. Yeah, and I, I've actually confessed this before to everyone, but I've actually had a tendency to know, I caught myself saying things like, even Jesus said this as if that's like higher than things that Paul's written or things that Mo- Moses has recorded. I mean, as if that there's a stratification of, of wisdom whenever it's all about Jesus. Um, and, and one, I will say um, that this is the, one of the hard things I think we deal with our culture people say well I believe in Jesus but I don't believe in the Bible and I think that that's not the Jesus that's real because if you read what Jesus' own testimony is which the recording we have is from scripture he believes in the Bible and so if you're going to reject like the Old Testament if you're going to reject things like that that's a weird thing that we're in this kind of vibe where people think that's okay well I know Jesus and I know God but I don't care what the Bible says and, and um, I, I think that's a really untenable situation to be in um, the one thing I wanted to point out is the last question. I, I thought this was so awesome. Um, how do I listen to God? How do I quiet myself enough to, for God to speak rather than only me talking? Uh, we're going to probably cover that in like a prayer kind of a thing too, a meditation thing. But you know, a great way we can do that is read the word. If you read the question there, how can I make time for God to speak rather than only me talking? That's the way we can do that is by reading the Bible. I mean, I it was kind of a, I think awesome that question. the other
2: thing, just as a, is God says, you know, th- those who are faithful with a few things, I'll trust with many mm. things. And so sometimes we're looking for something new when we haven't obeyed what God's already shared. So some, yeah. you know, sometimes He's just waiting. Um, you know, like he has spoken to us. He has shared. He has convicted. He has done something, mm. and we just haven't dealt with that yet. Yeah. But we're still looking for God. Speak. God speak. God speak. He's like I spoke. Yeah. You know, and in the Word of God, He spoke. And so sometimes, like, we need to walk in obedience first and then yeah. and then with everything like spiritual we have spiritual discipline just like a physical discipline like you have to it's a training it's a discipline to work out and to quiet yourself enough to hear it's a process of time it's not always a immediate like i want to hear now and i want you know right it's, it's a pro it's a it's a growing maturity process as well yeah your
0: idea gives me we can have a bible on our table you praying god just give me a word and we won't open the book <laughs> how silly is that all right what well, anything else you guys want to share compelled any questions
3: i think it is i do a lot of listening i've got a bible app and i do a lot of listening as i go down down the road i'll I'll listen to just the word being read to me Um, and also if you look at a lot of the uh, a lot of songs are actually word is actually the word being sung so that's another
0: I will caveat one thing. Um, The way I do my Bible reading every day is um, I listen to the word being read, but I look at it also because for me, um, if I, I can just sit and read the Bible. I have to have a really quiet place, and and, uh, I still have to really focus. Um, I've found that by hearing someone else read it, it allows me to pace a certain way to cover a certain amount of scripture, but I also have to pause it sometimes because I can't keep up because the truth sometimes is too much. And so I, I, I do what kind of Steve says. I stop, and I go investigate something, and I come back, and I start it again. Um, but I definitely think there's great power in that. There's word. There's
2: also a lot of sections in here um, where it really does feel like God's love letters to you, where He's like mm-hmm. identifying, you know, things, speaking things over you as His children. And for me, like, I really feel like sometimes I can read it mm-hmm. and it's like it's coming from me. But other times when I hear it, then I feel like it's coming, you know, like this is God's word well, yeah. and it's coming over me. And I think that that there is definitely value in it speaking over you, not just.
1: Awesome.
0: Yes, sir. Who can answer that? What's the role of the Holy Spirit in studying Scripture?
1: Simply, I'd say to illuminate, to make it clear. Um, I would have nothing more to say than that other than he makes it clear to us
0: yeah I think I think that the holy Spirit um, I think the Holy Spirit was active the whole time in leading god 's people in recording the recordings of god 's people even you might hear conversations about why the Canon is a canon and what was canonized because it was discernment by leaders thinking this is the Holy Spirit. This is agreeable. This is not. They weren't just picking their favorite passages, but everything was getting crazy. So the actual preservation of the word is the Holy Spirit. And then the right understanding of the word is the Holy Spirit. The right proclamation of the word is the Holy Spirit. And the reason we can trust the word of God is because the Holy Spirit is trustworthy. That's why I feel about it. So I, I don't have to worry about what men decided what and what translator did what because the, the spirit of God is more powerful than that to teach my dumb brain what I know and my, my hard heart what i need to change to be obedient that's and that's my own conviction about the spirit of god so
3: well and then also uh you know i i've always heard a lot too that guys would say well it's written by man you know but it's inspired what well, it is inspired by god And if you right. look at it it's a book of of uh, uh 60, 60 books written by 40 men well then over a course of 1500 years well there's a lot there that's that it was inspired so you can see that it was actually inspired by a, a you know a, a God that
0: Holy Spirit the and guide us through it too you bet okay cool well the con- conversation continues that's our hope right <laughs> so um, if something uh, isn't settling with you um, come talk to us about it pray about it you know seek God get in a small group of Bible study we don't want to control this process but we want to open the conversation uh, we do believe that the whole Bible applies to our lives and we ought to understand that and, and uh, understand how, you know why we believe that so um be in conversation about that. I want to pray for us as we uh, ask the band to come back up. We'll do a final song and then we'll dismiss today. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to actually encounter you through your word. And Lord, I know um, your word is uh, profitable and good for your people. I pray, Father God, that as we continue to seek you with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our soul and all of our strength, that we would um, know you more and that honestly, Lord, you would transform us through the experience. And Father, for brothers and sisters who are here today who don't yet know you or don't know you deeply, um, you're just a distant God on a shelf or something that, you know, uh, A religion, but not a person. I pray that your Holy Spirit will break through today in the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and convict us in our hearts of the truth that we don't need man to teach us because you are our teacher and you are our God and you are our Lord and Master. And Father, we worship you because of that. We pray, Father, a prayer of thanks for your word that was a gift to us, that is a continuing gift to us of inspiration and of your wisdom for our lives. May we honor you and may we um, worship you as we find you in and through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, no, it's the house. So we're going to have a time of prayer now um, in the back hall. So if there's something you need prayer over, we're going to invite the prayer team to go to the back. I'm just learning to do this, so I apologize. But um, we're going to ask the prayer team to head to the back, and you can head to the back during this song if you want, and just pray with folks. You can pray where you're at, too, so don't feel like it's a show, but we really going to be ministering and praying together and seeking what the Lord is doing in your life. So if you want prayer for any reason, um, head to the back hall. And we got a team back there praying with and for you.